<laughs> All right. How did I know that? I don't know. The Lord speaks in mysterious ways. Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 2, please? Last week we were privileged to talk about Mary and Joseph as they came, and the Lord um, emphatically directed me to look uh, once again at uh, the ministry of two people that were devoted to the work of the Lord uh, leading up to the birth of Jesus. And of course, I'm speaking of Simeon and Anna. And I'd like for us to look at some things concerning them that really speak about what we are uh, and what God has called us to be as we are preparing the way for the Lord. And I would put forward to you today that the characteristics and qualities of these two people are necessary for us to welcome the Lord in the way he wants to come in, in, uh, in our lives. And so um, let's read this passage beginning in Luke 2, I believe I told you verse 25. Yes, I'll just turn and look up there with all of you. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers day and night and day. She coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spoke of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. It's interesting to me, these two people, because as I look at the description of both of these, I see the exact same types of characteristics as has been imparted into the saints' network. You have those that are devoted as intercessors, and you have those who welcome intercession and are intercessors in many ways, but they are those that are adherent to the things that, um, that God has promised. And you've got to have, it's kind of like a lover and a warrior kind of a thing. It's kind of like what further on in the book of Acts you saw 
um, Peter and John saying, hey, you know, you, you men of faith and power, you serve these tables, you coordinate this, but we're going to seek after prayer and the study of the word. You have to have those two things, and both of those people are there in this issue. Look at Simeon. Now, we've talked about these people before. This is not a repeat. These are all new things. Uh, Simeon, what, what does the Bible say about him? The Bible says some very interesting things. One was that he was just and devout. Now, just means that you're walking according to the direction of the Spirit. Justice and righteousness are synonymous in the New Testament. Devout is a really unique word from the Greek because it means you receive good things and then you apply them. So when it says that he was just and devout, it means that he was somebody that was willing to hear from God. Obviously, the Holy Spirit told him to get into the temple because he was going to see this precious child Jesus. The Holy Spirit had also told him that he would not die until he had seen the, the Messiah. And so he was a just individual. And he was also somebody that knew how to take those directives and to apply them. That's what just and devout means. And that is really something that we have labored to do. And in this year of wisdom, we're going to want to do more and more. Now look at another thing that it says here. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, you see consolation there, and you think it means just by consoling someone that he was saying, oh, you know, somebody's got to help these people. You know, the Romans are terrible. You know, there's a lot of crazy zealots running around here. There's all kinds of civic unrest all over the place. And if you don't believe that, read some of the startling works that have been written recently about the history of Jerusalem from a more secular viewpoint, and you find that that time that Jesus was living was chaos. It was crazy uh, out on the streets, and, and it, it just caused the Roman citizens, uh, the Roman soldiers to be beside themselves in how to manage such a, 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 a hodgepodge of uh, activity. But it doesn't mean that consolation doesn't mean that he wanted a resolution of that. Consolation is our old friend, Periclesis. And that means that he was really, as someone that was just and devout, wanting the people of Israel to begin to follow God again, to begin to hear from God and to be led forth by him, to hear the call and to respond. And, and I think that's the solution for just about everybody. But consolation there is a little bit misleading in that it doesn't mean that you're, you're looking for some kind of a temporal resolution. You're wanting Israel to fulfill what they want, not what God wants. Now, think about that for, for, for what we've tried to be as saints. We've tried to, to say, Lord, help us to see, help us to walk with you, help us to be led according to the mind of Christ, and let us know how to take that and apply it. And then let us be able to say to those who are hungry, to those that are willing to, to follow God, here is what God's saying. This is what God wants. You will not be satisfied until you hearken to the call of God concerning what he created you to be. This was Simeon's life. 
And so God gave him some incredible prophetic words. I mean, think about that. Now, again, I know there have been a lot of people. I've been in church for a long, long time. And I've, I heard so many people say, well, you know, the Lord told me that I wasn't going to die until after. I wasn't going to die. I was going to see the rapture. Well, a lot of those people are buried and they're waiting in another way for the rapture. And uh, I know that there are a lot of people who have who have felt they've heard certain things from God and they're sincere and they're they're wanting to to say these kinds of things. But this guy really heard from God and God said, you're not going to go off this earth until you see God's Messiah. And then the Holy Spirit just so he didn't miss it. He said, you better get over there to the temple. I'm paraphrasing now. You better get over there to the temple because the Messiah is coming in. And Simeon rushed. It says it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost. I think that's pretty clear. And uh, that he would not see death. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And immediately he took Jesus up in his arms and he began to prophesy. I think that this is really an important thing for us to see. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Simeon in just a minute, but let's talk about Anna. Now, Anna uh, has quite a history. She, she was 84 years old, and um, she had been um, a widow for probably 64 of those years. Because the Bible says that she was married and she lived with her husband for seven years and he died. Now I'm anticipating the fact that she got married at like 13 or 14 years old because that was kind of what happened back then. And so if, if those things are true, and it really doesn't matter for this story, she had been serving the Lord as a prophetess in the temple for 64 years or thereabouts. Let's just give it the benefit of the doubt and say 60 years. I think it's 64. It's funny because if you look up prophetess in the scripture, it says a woman who foretells. <laughs> I think that's kind of a short-sighted definition. But just think about how long this woman was there. You know, this church, this church moved over to the corner of Lano and Abrams in 1954. So that's 65 years ago. Can you, can you imagine having a woman who was a prophetess in this church every day for all of those years? Think about that. How many people have we seen come and go? How many people established this church and they've gone on to, to their heavenly reward? Can you imagine that? I, one person being in this church through all its transitions every day for all of those years. Isn't that an incredible thing? Now, not to mention how much she saw in the transition of the nation of Israel during that time. In her 84 years, her father's name was Phanuel, and that's, that's a Greek version of Penuel, which means the face of Elohim. So, and he must have been well known because the Bible mentions him, even though we have no record whatsoever of who he was or what he was. Now, tonight at sundown, Hanukkah begins. 
And, um, you know, that's a celebration of the Maccabean victory and the candles that burned for eight days when there was only oil for one. You know the story. Well, that happened in about 160, I'm going to say it the way I like to say it, B.C. None of this common era stuff. I like the B.C. before Christ and the A.D. Anno Domini or after death that after Christ died, he had dominion. Let's just keep that going. Let's not go leftist on this. No B.C. No BC and no B.C.E. Because that's a B something else, and we don't want that. So, but she, she lived, her father probably, I'm, I'm going down a trail here, but her pro father probably lived in the years immediately following that Maccabean rebellion. And you study about the history of Israel, there was so much craziness that went on in those 160 years. The Maccabeans ruled for a while. Uh, the, you know, Alexander the Great had broken up his kingdom into five different territories, and he invested the authority for, the, for what is the Holy Land into Syria. And that then sowed this Greek Hellenistic view. And um, the Seleucids were ruling during the time leading up to the Maccabean Revolt. And the man whose name was Epiphanes, Antiochus Epiphanes, who was, um, who was in charge, decided that he was going to stop the Jews from worshiping Yahweh. And he put an idol of Zeus in the temple, and they started offering up pigs and sacrifice there, just totally sacrilegious. And uh, they rose up and defeated that influence. And that's really a story in itself, and that's what's celebrated uh, beginning tonight. However, that rule was short-lived, and pretty soon the Greek influences came back in, and during, during Anna's life, she, when she was born, the Greeks were ruling again, or, or the Greek proxies. And then, as a teenager, she saw Rome come in, and she saw... Uh, Anthony's uh, power, and she, she, she lived through all of that. And if you combine what her father saw, you have to be something special to be called the face of Elohim. You combine what he saw and the influences he was investing into her life, a devotion to God, and a seeking of her prophetic gifting and, and the utilization of that. And this was a very special woman. Now, it says that she was from the tribe of Aser. This is Asher. And Asher, Moses blessed Asher. Asher had a tribal inheritance up uh, near where Tyre and Sidon was, and they were famous for olive oil production. In fact, they were wealthy as those that produced olive oil. And they knew how to market that. In those trade routes going across the Mediterranean and into Asia, they sold a lot of olive oil. And it's known from the Jewish encyclopedia that um, when uh, there were drought conditions or the olive production throughout the rest of Israel wasn't so good, Asher was always faithful to be able to provide that. And, you know, Asher wasn't really that helpful as, as uh, warriors. I mean, Deborah wondered where they were. Dan and them kind of got together. I, I assume that uh, Asher produced a lot of things, and Dan and his ships uh, took them around, and I think they were kind of good uh, kissing cousins there. And, but Asher was well known as an affluent, successful business concern. 
And um, so somehow Fanuel and Anna came out of that. And I think that's just an interesting thing. So she, with all of her, all of her familial heritage and with all of her prophetic giftings and whatever her father taught her and whatever was invested into her, she, by God's directive, obviously, was made a, a widow at least in her early 20s. And from that point, she determined to serve God in his temple. And she prayed through a lot of things. Let's say she was 20. She, she came into that temple right at the time when Rome was again establishing, well, really establishing its foothold there. And she saw lots of things in those decades. Every day she would come and she would seek the Lord in, in deasis, which is, the, which is uh, supplication prayer, and in fastings. She fasted and prayed the supplication type of prayer all the time. And the Bible says that she never departed from the temple. It doesn't mean she had a side room because uh, the, that terminology means that she always kept the histeme of that place in her heart. In fact, it uses the word histeme. She always kept the identity. She always kept what God was trying to do there in, uh, in her heart. And many of you, especially, you know, we can talk about Anna here, who's a derivative of grace, she, uh, she devoted herself as an intercessor and as a prophetic voice into God's dwelling place. And, you know, um, I think that the intercessory gift that has been given throughout this network embodies that. And, you know, I see that if you take those two together, Anna and Simeon, and you see someone who's devoted to grace partnership, which is what her name was, and, and, they, and somebody that is devoted to the histemi that God had given them, somebody that wanted the dwelling house of the Lord to be honored like Samuel did, somebody who wanted to develop their prophetic gifting and to just serve God, that describes what we as intercessors and partners with God in grace personify. And then, in the interpretive standpoint, you have Simeon, who not only was a seeker of God, I doubt that he was a seeker in the same ways that Anna was, but he was someone that knew how to process what God was saying. He was someone who knew how to apply what God was saying, and he was someone who knew how to follow through what, what the Spirit was directing him to do. Those two things really describe what God has tried to build among the saints' family. Those two capacities, those two characteristic lifestyles is what we try to embrace here as intercessors and those who interpret what God is saying. And I believe that it's important for us to see that because those are the two that God, through His Holy Spirit, determined to preserve for us to read about. I think that any time Jesus is going to move in a way that is uh, astounding, you have to have these two capacities working and laboring before the throne, and you have to see them both functioning together 
because they are the ones that will make prepare the way for Jesus and they are the ones that will receive him. And that's really what we're believing for. That's what we see. And I was thinking about Simeon and Anna. And I thought, what, do, what has God trained us to do or tried to train us to do? We're still learning. What has, what has God caused us to go and teach wherever we go as saints? Well, it's these two things. You know, you need to establish your place. You need to find what it is. You need to, of course, we have the cross. Simeon and Anna didn't. They had the baby Jesus. But we, we establish through the cross our estemi, and we stand in our gap there, and we minister to the Lord day and night. That, that devotion does not leave us. We don't depart from that, no matter where we go. We don't depart from it. I told you a couple of weeks ago, and I've said this over and over again, that every time I'm called to go away from here, I feel this yearning that I can't really describe in my spirit. And um, I believe that that is that devotion of the Lord to this temple. Anna had that. And um, she was also someone who was prophetically inclined. She was someone who would speak um, tremendous things uh, when God said to speak. And when she didn't have anything to say, she didn't say anything. I think that's very interesting. You know what else is interesting is that there were a lot of priests there in that temple. You know, Mary had to show that offering of hers, and they had to present the baby to some priest somewhere. We have no mention of who that was. I bless them. That was a, that was a wonderful thing. But we have no mention of who that was. But who we do have a mention of is Simeon and Anna. And I do believe that that's by divine design. I believe that that is an encouragement for all of you who have devoted yourself to this lifestyle, this divine lifestyle. You know, I know at times you probably have felt, as I have, the peculiarity of this very thing that we've described. Because it basically is speaking about what you've become. It's basically speaking about what you, under the divine directive, have given your life to. And you get out and around, and, and you, even into the religious world, and you recognize, you know, I feel like an odd duck. Even though I know what we're doing is biblical, I know what God has given us, and we cherish that, and we are trying our very best to fulfill that. But I know that um, it's different from other people. It's different. You know, the concept of living, having your whole life revolve around the place God has planted you, when you say that too loudly, you're going to be sternly rebuked by more than one family member. And I know this because I've heard you tell me on, on many occasions that that rebuke was coming, and what do you say? You know, you're too heavenly minded. You know, what, what, why do you have to be there at the church? Why do you have to go and pray? Why are you praying all the time? What, what's this about prophecy? I'd like to hear a little more about Jesus. You know, what, what is all that stuff? Remember that, Dennis? Um, and, you know, when we talk about God says this, we're going to apply this, and we're going to make this declaration. We're going to deasis before God in, in a partnership of grace, and we're going to receive from Him, and then we're going to declare that in prosuke. 
Oh, that's craziness. You know, do you mean God speaks to you that way? Well, you should go have your head examined. You know, you know, if you're hearing voices, oh, man, you're nuts. You need to be on medication. And that comes from Christian people. I remember when I wrote that little booklet on dreams and visions, which is really simplistic. Now, at the time, it really set some things for us. And, um, you know, that I, I was, I was uh, still working in a lot of denominational things, and I was heading a, a, a group, a ministry group here in the city as the, uh, the chairman of their board. And when I sat down to convene the meeting, three of the pastors asked me, what's this booklet you wrote? <laughs> I thought, how do you know about this booklet? And one of them said, that sounds a lot like New Age stuff to me. And I said, what do you mean New Age stuff? You mean New Age Acts 2? Or do you mean New Age Joel 2? Which do you mean? You mean New Covenant, don't you? Why? Because we were talking about dreams and visions which is the food of the sons. It's the gift of the Father. So, Simeon applied that. And I think it's very interesting that Joseph was also called a just man. Joseph was called a man that was just and not willing to make her a public example. And we know that Joseph was a just man because he, man, look at his life. Angels are appearing to him. He's having dreams. God's telling him, go do this. Okay, now get away. Get away, get away, get away. Go down there. Now, okay, you've you, you got to get things ready to go back. Okay, now go back. I mean, he was getting all kinds of words, but yet he wasn't so prayer drunk that he, uh, he, he just kind of, you know, you know the way some of us can be. You know, well, God said it. That's just all I know, you know. Yeah, but then Joseph was more of a practical vein and he uh, he said okay you know i know mary you know i know what you're telling me about gabriel and you know i know uh, i i just don't know that i can buy this even though i am a just man and then gabriel speaks to him that's what a just person is and um, we are righteous individuals on the paths of righteousness so simeon and anna are wonderful gifts to us because to me they show exactly what God has invested into this house and what he's invested into our saints' family. Together, we've all been recipients of this. A devotion to the gap God has called us to stand in. A devotion and a conception that this place is the temple of our God. He dwells here. We have a devotion to, to live that, not just when we're here or when it's convenient to come, we live it wherever we are. I remember many years ago, and this has happened over and over again, that uh, when we f when first started traveling, there would be times that I would be, and many of you, I'm just, but it's me talking here. Um, I would be out someplace. I'd be praying in my room, or and suddenly the Lord would snap me back into this house, and I'd be up in the in in, in that area. Usually, it would be right up there, like 15 feet behind Rick. And, but sometimes it would be the other places. And when I get back, you know, individuals, many of different types of people over the years would say, you know what, I was in there praying, and all of a sudden I heard this voice. I, heard, I thought you were here. I could hear you praying. God has, God has fixed us upon this place where he's called us. You're part of this, just as Anna was. And I know that, um, I know that, 
that that devotion, that prophetic devotion is something we have to have. And we have to have what Simeon was because that is the ingredient that welcomes the coming of the Lord. Now you say, okay, what about friend of the bridegroom? What about John? Well, John was a unique individual. There had to be somebody like John. God forbid there were three or four John the Baptist in every church. That, 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 I think that would even drive Bev nuts, you know? And we, we can't, we couldn't have that. But, you know, John the Baptist was a unique person, but he was a friend of the bridegroom, preparing the way of the Lord. What's it say about him? He stood, he heard, and he rejoiced in grace at the voice of the bridegroom. That's what it says about John. Sounds very similar to what we just said about Anna, who was standing firm in the esteme, and Simeon, who heard and did, and then both of them rejoicing at the voice of the bridegroom. So I speak a blessing over this in this Christmas season. I speak over each of you, and I, I ask that the Spirit would stir your heart to give thanks to God for, without your knowing it, stirring these components, these characteristics in your life, in your heart. You know, it's so funny to me the way the Lord's done this because, you know, when we first started praying years and years ago, God didn't say, okay, I'm going to make you like Simeon and Anna. You know, he didn't say that. Because if he had tried to explain that then, we wouldn't have had any conception of what he meant. It's only after we've done that we can perceive and teach all that Jesus began to do and to teach. We walk with the Lord, and because of the experiences and the victories and the revelations that he's given from his word, we can look at passages of scriptures and see them through the lens of divine authorship as God gives us that light. And to me, it means a whole lot more to hear this now than it would have 22 years ago. Because now we live this, and we continue to live it, and we're encouraged. And I, I believe that the Father really, really wanted this proclaimed today. And, um, you know, I was, yesterday afternoon, I was in my office, and I was writing, and... Um, all of a sudden, this thought came to me, and it was so pronounced. And I thought, oh, wow, that's good, Lord. I mean, that, that's a wonderful thing to see. I'm so thankful for that. And then he just wouldn't let it go. And he said, this is what you speak on tomorrow, which, again, is not the normative walk for me. Um, usually it's a little later on. But there was some reason that God really wanted to affirm this today as people are looking forward to the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And I speak over all of us that we would do our very best to emulate what Anna represented and what Simeon rep represented, those two, because those wonderful devotions are the things that that will welcome our Lord in the way we're believing Him to manifest Himself in this world. Can you imagine what Simeon felt? I mean, 
here's this guy. Look at this. Now, all of you mothers who have had babies, especially uh, baby Jesus was a almost a month and a half old. And um, when they brought him in, here's this man that they'd never met. And he, uh, he, he comes and he takes Jesus up in his arms. Now, how many of you... How many of you women who had young babies would have given your baby at that age over to a strange dude that had some peculiar glow of the Spirit on his face? <laughs> I, I don't think so. Uh, maybe you would. It, maybe if the baby was crying, here, you take it. Maybe you can help. See if you can do anything with this. But um, that's, that's an amazing thing. Can you, can you imagine what Simeon... What he, the rejoicing that was in him. And then Anna came in that instant and gave thanks likewise and spoke of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And what does that mean? She was doing her, she was doing her women foretelling. <laughs> she was going about prophesying. Hey, I saw the Messiah. Hey, I saw the Messiah. Hey, I saw the Messiah. And that, that was, I can't imagine this, this, this woman who was uh, just overwhelmed. Both of them were rewarded, and you as well. We walk a life of reward in God. But there are rewards coming because of your faithfulness that are going to be astounding. So I speak that over you, and I thank the Lord, our Father, for giving us the privilege of walking in this identity and I pray that our people, all of us, including me, would be strengthened with a, with a quickened resolve to continue in this pathway that God has given. And um, I just think it's interesting. One other thing about Asher, um, I, I believe that what I said about that tribe, I believe that there are going to be those that God is going to awaken from dormant denominations and they are they're going to be they're going to be linked with with this movement and um, you know if, if anybody was said well you know she was of the tribe of Judah or even Benjamin which were the only two that that were uh, really around um, you might have said oh well that makes sense or if she was a, a daughter of a Levite or something you know oh yeah that makes sense but to say she was from Asher is just out of left field. I mean, that just really is. Because everybody in Israel knew that Asher was, were good people. They were kinfolk. But they were more interested in the, in, the, in the denarii than just about anything else. And they were good at it. So for, for out of that tribe there to be a man whose parents thought of naming him the face of Elohim, and then he has a little girl who's, from the time she's little, probably moving in prophetic gifting. That's quite a unique thing. God can do anything. And, and I believe that we're going to see some of that in this year that's coming. So on this Christmas week, I speak again a blessing over all of you. And I'm giving you a gift, too, that it's just now on Scott's clock up there. It's 3 after 12. I don't know what time it really is. But you're out early. But rejoice that God has filled you with these wonderful things. And that 
you understand them. These things aren't things that we're saying, okay, look at these people. You need to all try to be this way. You've been living this. And I know you recognize that. You've been living this. And um, I, I speak that God is going to continue to use you because you are, you are very precious in His sight. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. It always breathes something new. It is alive. And I thank You for this understanding of Your ways and what it means to welcome a move of Your Spirit. I speak that we would not only cherish these things, but that we would embrace them anew and personify them with new fervor for the days that are ahead. Bless this Saints Network family in this week that comes, and may it truly be a time of rejoicing in you. We love you, Father, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks, everybody, for being here. Those of you in Dallas, don't forget prayer class tonight and Christmas Eve service Tuesday night.